Welcome back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin. This week, we have a guest with us, Yusuf Badu, who is an expert in situational awareness and pre-event threat detection. Uh, we, we focus a lot here at Prepared Mindset on things like guns, firearms, right? Uh, tactical training, uh, shooting, right? The, the offensive space uh, in the world of being prepared, right? How to, how to be offensive. Uh, but it is important to, to understand and really be well-versed uh, in, in multiple ways of preparation. And for those of us that don't own firearms, can't own firearms for whatever reason, or don't want to own a firearm, there are still a lot of options out there. There are a lot of ways to be prepared and how to prepare your family, right? So you have children, uh, you have loved ones who, again, for some reason, can't own a firearm, can't own or carry a defensive weapon with them because of where they work, where they live, who they live with, whatever, whatever have you. What Yusuf and I talk about and Yusuf's uh, company does uh, in, in pre-event uh, you know, threat detection and really finding ways to mitigate those tragic incidents uh, that you, know, you hear about and, and read about on the news, it's, just, it, it's invaluable to have these skills. So he's, he was kind enough to sit down with, uh, with me and, and we take about an hour and we, we go through it. You know, we kind of, we talk about it, what to look for, um, what, what work he does and how, uh, he and his team are, uh, helping prepare average everyday individuals like yourself and myself, uh, get out of harm's way sort of before, before harm is, is there itself. Uh, you know, for, to, to say it in a pretty poor way. Um, but it's a great conversation. Um, and I truly, we truly believe in what he and, and his team are doing and the training that they provide. Before I get into my discussion, my interview with Yusuf, though, I do want to make sure that I take the opportunity, as always, to thank our supporting sponsors here at The Prepared Mindset that make all of this possible. Eclipseholsters.com. Guys, if you're looking for a holster, you're looking for a mag carrier. Maybe you have both and you're looking to change things up. Maybe there's just a specific design aesthetic you're worried about. Head over and check them out. They do everything and anything that you could want. If you don't see it on the site, shoot the team an email. Jess and her team will take care of you. I guarantee it. Their customer service is awesome. It's honestly how my wife and I learned of this company and why we were so happy we were able to partner with them for the podcast here was the amazing experience that we had. Right now, under three business days, they're going to have that custom-built holster out the door on its way to you. And if you spend over $60, which is less than the cost of one of the holsters, honestly, you're going to get free shipping. So in less than three days with free shipping on its way to you. And if you use our code prepared one five, you're going to save 15% on your order. And it doesn't stop there. They got dump trays. They have EDC belts. They got all kinds of stuff on the website for you to check out, pick up some new gear, head over to eclipseholsters.com. Also mymedic.com. Guys, MyMedic is out there doing great things for the community, helping provide great equipment for those that, that need it. Whether you're running a rec league for your kids, whether you're a hiker or a hunter, uh, maybe you're taking a cross-country motorcycle trip. I just had a friend post on you know social media, they rode 3,500 miles. Okay, Having medical equipment with you to properly address a situation that may arise is invaluable when it does arise. Okay, Head over to mymedic.com, pick yourself up the solo kit, uh, pick up a, a MyFAC, a MyFAC large. They have all sorts of options for all different kinds of contingencies. They even have a pet medic for your furry four-legged friends who, as we all know, happen to get into trouble more often than we would like. And if you use our code MINDSET20, it's going to knock 20% off your bill. Make sure you get whatever you need. You can also head over to our Facebook page in our offer section. We do have our affiliate link. We are an affiliate partner with MyMedic. So if you use that link, make a purchase, the prepared mindset is going to get a little piece of whatever that you, you know, whatever you spend with MyMedic. You get your medical kit, they get money, and we get a little piece of it, and we keep doing what we do here, the prepared mindset. It's MyMedic.com. Head over and check them out. Guys, I've been super excited about this conversation with Yusuf Badu, all the work that he does in threat detection. Uh, let's just get over to it. Hi, Yusuf. Thank you so much hey. for joining me. Hey, Austin. No problem. 
Um, so I'm really excited to have you on. I actually um, learned about you learning, uh, listening to the Fieldcraft Survival podcast. Um, I believe you're on with those guys like a, a while back. And I, um, I really didn't at the time understand uh, what you did or, or that what you do um, got as deep as it did. So I'm really excited to hear to hear more um, and to uh, you know share your knowledge with our listeners because I think that um, in our space we talk a lot about things like uh, you know shooting and combatives and stuff. But um, truthfully, uh, the best defense for things like this is just um, being aware of what's going on and knowing you know triggers and, and things to look for. Uh, so like I said, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. Can you start off by just uh, introducing yourself and, and giving us some information about you? Yeah, sure, Austin. Thanks. Uh, appreciate you having me on here to talk to your people. And yeah, Mike Glover uh, and the Fieldcraft Survival people, awesome uh, team of people, great guy. So it was really fun being on him. And he brought me on for basically the same reason you did, Austin, is this kind of fits within the preparedness mindset. Um, my name is Yusuf Badu. Yes, I'm, I am an Arab, so everyone calm down and freak out on me. Um, <laughs> I spent some time in the United States Marine Corps where I worked at a really cool program called Combat Hunter. And the whole point of that program was to build a left of bang mindset. For a long time, not just the military, everyone, we've been reacting to events. So when we do training, they're like, hey, if something happens, we're going to do this. When the gun comes out, we're going to do this. And that's fine. You need to understand what to do in those emergency situations. That's, that's definitely good stuff. But is there another side of the coin we can we can look at? Absolutely. Those little tiny pre-event indicators, little innocuous behaviors that we think, oh, they don't mean nothing. They can actually tell you a whole story on what is about to happen. So that's what I do now with my business. I create instructors for our communities to basically take what I did, uh, that what, what the Marine Corps learned over combat deployments and deliver it to our churches and synagogues and community members. Because oftentimes, you know, I still teach cops and military, but at least with them, they're starting with, you know, some training. They have weapon systems where our communities are often starting with zero when it comes to right. the, the knowledge. Yeah. So with police and, and military and every, they have more of a baseline to start with. And, and they're just by um, by nature. Right. More um, exactly. observant. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I know I that. Sorry, go, go ahead. On. No, I just say I teach a lot of cops and I've never been a cop my whole life. But every time I teach them these specific pre-event indicators, there's a whole method to my madness. Uh, they'll stop me and they'll go, hey, man, I'm, uh, you know, they'll be 20 years on the job. And they'll go, hey, I've been doing what you just talked about for 20 years. I never knew it had a name. I'm like, yep, it has a name. <laughs> Here's some documentation. You can articulate it in court. You know, so that's what I bring to that side of the table. But again, our communities, they're not even starting with that. Yeah, and I um, and and that's a good point is having the documentation and being able to like you just said, articulate this information because I remember um, trying to articulate this to to family, right? Explain, hey, I listened to this episode, I learned about this gentleman that does this and this, and um, they go and uh, my father, right? Uh, so what? Paying attention? I'm like, well, yeah, but it's not. I mean, yeah, that does. That's a very over uh, a very big way of oversimplifying it, right? Because um, there's a lot of science that goes into this and a lot of training and um, just things you don't think about. Right. Um, and actually coming from a field I, I did for, it was years ago, I did work for a while as a, as a bank teller. Okay. So I worked in finance and, um, I can honestly say that you do start to, you don't realize it. Right. But you do start to pick up on behaviors, um, things like, like body language, I guess. Um, and for a while there, I actually kind of felt bad. I was like, oh, am I treating these people poorly because of like appearances and things? But, um, you know, can you, can we start there? Let, let's talk yeah. about that. I mean, like just body language, I think is a huge indicator of things to come, right? Absolutely. And and you touched on a, on a couple of points. I'm just making notes because these are solid learning points that I definitely want to remember. Sometimes I rant a little bit, um, <laughs> but the first thing you said, what your dad said, oh, it's, uh, pay attention. You know, yeah. When I worked for the military and I was in the combat hunter course, you'd have people that had combat deployments. They'd never ha they'd never had any of our training before. And it was a robust three week course. We're doing you know, all, all sorts of equipment, all sorts of fun stuff all over town. And they'd hear about what we do. And they're like, what? Combat obvious. You just pay attention. You know, <laughs> they're going to go teach you a three week course on how to use binoculars. And it's like, 
yeah, it's a little bit more than that. Then they would come to the course and it was, their minds would be blown and, and, and they wouldn't know when to stop talking about it. Um, you mentioned banks and your bank background. You know, while the industries I work with, I, I teach a lot of industries and stuff. Banks got it going on. You all actually have pretty decent training when it comes to identifying potential threats when they come in. And one I loved in a certain bank, I'm not giving away secrets here, but sure. there's a really cool thing where you have, you know, you ever seen a bank with that middle island where you go out to fill the checks and whatnot? Yep. You know what I'm yep. talking about? Well, yeah. one simple thing you can do is if that middle island is facing the bank and the tellers and everything, all you got to do is simply turn that middle island around so it's facing away. So let's say hypothetically someone wants to go in and rob it. They're, they're standing there at that table trying to act casual. The tellers are behind me. What do I have to do if I want to eyeball them? I got to yeah, turn, turn around. I got to yeah. keep turning around and I'm not focusing on what I'm doing. That, in, that behavior right there at a bank, as a teller, I can go, hmm. That guy's really focused in on us and they're not doing with it. Again, do you run over and like tackle them? No. No. But of all these people in the room, that's my guy. I want to pay attention to that person right there. Well, and even in my own experience, I remember when we used to get things like that and I never, I was, I was not in one of those uh, violent situations luckily, but I remember when people would look, it's usually because one of two things to what you're saying, uh, something else was going on or they had a question. And um, like you were saying with our training, they, Hey, acknowledge, welcome people when they come in. That's a deterrent because they know people are looking at them and stuff. But just ask, oh, sir, do you need help with something? And a lot of times it was, you know, I don't remember my account number. And it's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. I can I can get you looked up. Come on over. Yep, and that's exactly. not a problem. 9.999 times out of 10, right? Except that one time. Except, except the one time that's you're, not. With them, you're going to ask that question and you're going to behave in that manner a million times. Except the one time and you get someone and now... They, they don't answer like you, you've probably Austin. How many pro- times have you probably heard that question? There's probably three or four questions that all boils down to. And they start asking you things that you've never heard before or, you know, things start to add up. I call that with a piece of thread. That's not enough to arrest someone or go take them out. But sure. that body language was a piece of thread. Now I can pull on a piece of thread. You know, the body language specifically we're talking about right now is situational awareness. There's a lot of ways to spot for that looking behind you. Anybody who is overtly aware of what's behind directly behind them, that's a player. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that's a bad person, but Austin, there's only two people in the world that have situational awareness, inherent situational awareness, good people and bad people. Everybody else is just stuck looking at their phone. So if I ever identify anybody in a, in a situation with situation awareness, that's like player two has entered the field. You have to pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You instantly start uh, kind of yeah, paying attention, kind of tracking me a little bit more closely with what they're doing. Right. Yep. And, and my tactical guys are like, and then what do we do? We, we go over there and tackle them, right? We repel off the head. It's like, no, you stop <laughs> and you just gather more information. You know, you sometimes you need more information to make certain decisions. If that decision, what I like to train people in when it comes to mindset training is, Let's not wait till the, the, the shot rings out. Let's not wait till the gun comes out. Okay. Sometimes sure. we can identify these as they lead up. And at some point you got to make a decision. You know what? I have enough information. I'm going to grab my wife and kids. and I'm getting the hell out of here. What happens right. at the end of the story? I don't know. I'll find out on the news later, but oftentimes exactly. curiosity can kill the cat, you know? So I want to give people enough information to make quick decisions. Yeah. And just, you know, picking up on those things is, is half the battle. Truly. I mean, um, I'm about 20 minutes from Detroit and, uh, you know, I get a lot of comments from people in the state, out the state, um, you know, that just aren't from the area. Like, Oh man, is it, Ooh, you guys go to Detroit. It's, you know, it's really not that bad as long as you don't go looking for trouble and you know, a couple things to look for, you know, if, there's uh, a large crowd of people, things are getting loud and, and, uh, you know, things start to escalate. Well then go the opposite direction, get out of town. Um, I was down there the other weekend for a birthday party. Things kind of got a little bit weird and, you know, I just, Hey guys, I'm done for the night. My wife and I are going to take off. We're gonna go back to the parking structure, get the car and we're just going to avoid it, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, I think that's a big part of it is just not looking for trouble, but I think in today's society, um, and, and let me know if, if you think if you've, if you've seen this as well as a trend is that people just don't pay attention to enough of the most obvious indicators and it might have, and it might just be cell phones right I think cell phones are probably the worst part of it but people just don't uh, in my experience pay attention to what's going on they don't acknowledge those uh, those threads so to speak 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, I like that. They don't acknowledge those threads. That's a good way. They're, they're people walking uh, through, uh, through a valley of threads and no one's paying attention to any <laughs> of them. So it's a two-part thing, Austin. And, and a lot of times it's not like, oh, people suck. And they're, you know, you get it in the tactical community, especially you get people pumping their chest up like, oh, you suck. And I, you know, but it's not necessarily that. If you have someone who's never been in the military law enforcement or dealt with like mortal combat, why would they know what to look for? How on earth? Sure. Yeah, movies are bad stuff. So one component is people are walking around not knowing what to look for. You might think you know what to look for based on movies and video games and whatnot, but if you've never done it, you're 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 walking around looking at the wrong stuff. You're focusing on the wrong things. Right. Everyone, you know, when it comes to a mental image of an enemy or a criminal or a, a robber, what it, people have this weird image of like a guy with a trench coat holding a dead. <laughs> You're never right. going to see that. It's it's never going to happen. So what we need to do as a community is we need to take people that know this stuff, cops, law enforcement, military, and, you know, get some way to articulate it and feed it to our community members so they know what to look for. Um, the biggest problem I have, Austin, is paranoia. When you're untrained, when you're unconditioned in the skills we teach at the Safe Instructor Program, you make bad decisions based off bad information. You're walking around all day paranoid, looking for threats everywhere. And yeah. Murphy's law will tell you your bur your brain is going to burn out right when you should be paying attention because you've been spending all that attention currency on everything else. So it's about showing. I was going to say that it just it sounds exhausting. You know, I mean, it's you're you're fine for the first half hour or an hour, but it it yeah it the the mental stress you know that, that wears down quickly, and then like you said, eventually something is going to happen. You just be too tired to realize it. Exactly. You're going to, it's going to walk right by you and you're going to miss it. There's, there's tons of studies in military and law enforcement. I'm sure you've heard it. You know, people come back from these events and it's, it's hyperactivity. We're hyper paranoid, you know, and, and people think that's a smart way to walk around. It's not, you will burn out. You have limited amount of attention. So what I teach people is, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening around you. You need to focus on A, B, C, or D. When this stuff happens, time to beat feet. Yeah, no, and and I think that um, the, you look for like you said A B C D. There's a couple triggers that most people I think could probably look for, um, and then you'll know to to go further down the rabbit hole, so to speak. You know, you start to looking more closely for other things. But yeah, yeah, that that like constant scanning, constant looking for. Um, it's really not, um, and I think it, it gets portrayed that way poorly, um, if I may add that, yeah. uh, by by the media, by Hollywood, by movies. People, you know, what do you think you are, a spy? You think you're Jason Bourne? It's like, well, yeah. no, but, um, you know, just having that a little bit more, that that heightened level of awareness um, can can do a lot. And that's, um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a, life alt, uh, a life-threatening event. It could be, you know, I, we've seen you grab people when they're getting ready to walk out in the street and a car's coming because they're on their yeah. phone. You know, yeah. it could be as simple as that. Um, it doesn't have to be a, this uh, this heightened level of, uh, to your point, paranoia uh, yeah. of just always searching around, looking for work. And um, and, and again, it, it doesn't have to be anything that's that's crazy huge, but it can definitely be impactful. Absolutely. And, you know, another part of it is when you show people what to look for. A lot of times when people have never been in this kind of community or training, they get kind of scared when it gets when it's over because we've kind of ripped off that thin layer of <laughs> yeah. security people think they have and they're standing there going oh my god you know you're like it's okay don't worry you know better late than never um, but you have to we call them file folders you have to build these good observable file folders because to your question earlier if I don't if I'm unconditioned I don't take training and violence does erupt you're going to go into vapor lock. You're going to go right. into absolute denial, you know, and you will make no decision. You will you will stand there and that bang situation we're trying to avoid mm -hmm. is going to roll right over you as you're trying to catch yeah. up. You see what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, and and I and one of the things that just that I, I remember very specifically that made me stop and think because I, I was listening to the interview you did with Mike at Fieldcraft. Mm -hmm. I was at the gym, mm -hmm. uh, made me stop and was uh, you mentioned specifically like a gunshot. Um, and that people will mentally try to mm, explain yeah. away what they're hearing, what they're, what they're seeing, you know, oh, it's a car backfiring or mm -hmm. it's a firecracker or it's a nail gun. You know, it can be, I mean, any number of things and any number of situations we will, uh, we're, we're so conditioned, uh, as a society that we will look for ways to try and explain away, um, before we even have enough information to, to make that assessment, to make that decision we'll try to find a way to, to convince ourselves that it's not anything serious rather than, you know, 
um, investigating to the point of being able to make an informed decision. Hundred percent. That, that, that was super impactful. Yeah. yeah, a thousand percent. You know, when it when it comes to like the, it, it, you can look all the psychology up, you know, one of the biggest motivators of a human being at the, at the base level as a, as a biological organism is the avoidance of pain. OK, you see this in marketing, you see this in advertising. People go out there and like, oh, I'm going to make you better. That's not a good advertisement. Uh, if I can go out there and say I'm going to stop you from doing this and getting hurt, and getting blown up that speaks to people. They will do whatever they can so much so that they will deny physical danger. They will actually yeah. hurt themselves. They will actually put themselves in a worse, worse position because their brains cannot fathom or cannot handle. So it's a defense mechanism. They shut down and they, and they just, they go flatline and you will actually do yourself more harm if you react to situations like that. Yeah. And that's, uh, it, it's, it's fears, a you know, a powerful motivator and, um, even I've seen it used, uh, again, in, in other career fields and stuff, things like, uh, they use it as a sales tool because, you know, it's that, well, you don't want this to happen. What if this happens? Yep. Um, and being able to respond to those kinds of thoughts and feelings appropriately is, I mean, it's difficult. Stress hits all of us differently, but, um, you know, to our point here, knowing how to appropriately, uh, address those feelings, how to appropriately respond and react, um, is something that I think you know, you take away the preparedness piece of this, take away the tactical piece of this. Um, I mean, that skill in itself can be greatly beneficial in everyday life. But looking at from a preparedness lens, you don't have to own a gun, you know, and this and something like this will be invaluable. Right. Just avoiding these kinds of situations, avoiding, um, you know, incidents, tragedies. Absolutely. Yeah. If, it, if you got a gun and you're in a life threatening situation, hey, it's good to have a gun. You know, it kind of levels the playing field. But Austin, another thing is I deal with a lot of people not here in America, uh, up in Canada and Australia and New Zealand and the UK and uh, different parts oh. of Europe that guns not are, aren't an yeah. issue. You know, they're, they're, they're not even an option. So not readily available. Like they yeah, are they're not. That's not even an option like our Constitution has. So what do those people do? You think we're scared, you know? At least, I, you know, if it goes down in my neighborhood, it's it's going to be an Alamo, you know, it's a, we can go down swinging. But with a whole population where they don't have arms and the criminals do, you know, uh, you have to arm them with something, you know. So what are what are some of the, the things people can look out for? Let's say you're at the mall, um, you're not even necessarily like a bank teller, um, but you're in the bank lobby. Because that's I'm just trying to think of places. Where people Let's go back to that. Awesome. Days, but yeah. Let's keep that scenario going. I like it. So let's start all the way from that that individual walked in. You're the bank teller. You're Austin. Mm-hmm. They, we 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 had our people put the that middle island facing the other direction. We have one one individual always keeps looking over his shoulder and looks like he's focused on you or the teller station. So is that enough to arrest? No. But that's no. one that's one word in our story. Okay, that's one sentence. So that's one of all these people on here. I'm paying attention. We you do a little bit more sustained observation on this person. Um, and you notice, let's say, uh, sweating. That's a biometric response. Maybe the AC is it's nice and cold. If someone's going through a fear response, their brain is dumping chemicals, dopamine and cortisol and all this other crazy stuff that you will have observable indicators. So inappropriate sweating. Did they not, you know, as long as they didn't physically exert themselves. Shaking. If you look down, it might be slight. You know, these mm-hmm. might be subtle, but you might see a slight shake. That's adrenaline pumping through the body. Um now you're now now what's going on with our situation? Are we getting a little bit more freaked out, Austin? Are we getting a little bit more have a little bit more anxiety now? It's like, okay, first he was just kind of turning around. Now he's sweating, looking around, and now we do more sustained, and we notice that he's continually patting or checking his side, one right side. Okay, and we notice that he appears to be a right-handed person, right? And he's continually patting the right-hand side. Okay, I don't know if that person has a gun, a bomb, or it's their cell phone. I have no idea. But if I have yeah. someone continually patting and checking in something, that whatever that thing is, it's really important to that person. Okay. So at this point, we have three of these indicators. And I talk about the rules of three in my safe instructor training is you got to dumb it down. Rule of threes. Do we have enough to like take them out with a SWAT team? Not necessarily, <laughs> but I have enough information now to go, you know what? I'm Austin, the bank teller. I tell my man, I go, yo, I think this dude's about to rob the place or something's going down. Right. Inform them. Let's say hypothetically you told your boss, Austin, 
and it just turned out to be like a homeless dude or maybe it was, you know, just not a threat. Just a quirky guy. Yeah. Just a quirky guy. Could you not articulate to your manager? And if they're like, dude, why'd you freak out, man? It's like, look, this is what I was looking at. A, B, C. I felt that the next step, step four was a gun. I doubt any company, employee, manager, as long as you're not doing no Rambo crazy stuff, would fault you for identifying that and saying something. Would you agree with that, Austin? I would 110% agree with that. And I had experiences where we did, um, one day, one of the girls I worked with, her uh, her boyfriend actually was a Marine, or uh, I think he still is, um, showed up uh, like right at opening to... Uh, to surprise her basically had come home as a surprise because then he was out in california she's obviously here in michigan and and, uh comes in first thing in the morning super big baggy hoodie right pulled down with aviator glasses in and comes like in the door and goes beelines it straight to the window and i and and this is wrong this is before i even um owned a firearearm this is before we started uh you know down the, the the path to preparedness and things i'm on now and I freaked out. And then he, you know, he whips the hoodie off and surprised her and she screams and, you know, and, and great, you know, yeah. good for them and everything and everyone's <laughs> fine. But, you know, then he leaves and she comes back and I go, hey, the next time, <clears throat> can you ask him to find maybe like a more um, romantic and, and less uh, heart attack inducing way of doing it? She, yeah, she got super upset about it and told me I was overreacting. Um, I'm like, OK, well please keep in mind that you have coworkers and we do work in a financial institution and um bank with cash <laughs> like he just he just did like five things that would cause anybody else to have you know exactly. great concern for what the heck would i mean first one in the door and and i don't know I, you did mention earlier you've worked with some banks so um i forget what they used to call the guys that come in like uh first thing in the morning and then the other time they always told us was like right at closing were the two you know prime target times but um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that was an indicator, the baggy clothes, the glasses, you can't see his face, hands were concealed in his pockets. Like mm-hmm. there was definitely some, you know, some, some cause for concern there. And on, in Austin, you know, while we're on this train and it just, this doesn't apply to banks, it's banks, airports, whatever. Sure. Now you got COVID, which everybody got on all day long. Every day. Masks everywhere. Got mask. I'm just, I swear to God, I'm just going to put on a balaclava and see how long I can walk around. I'm just going to go to the, the local Meyer and Albertsons and hang out with a balaclava and be like, but COVID I'm being safe, you know? So, right. okay. Get away with it. Mask, mask is not an indicator anymore. So what do we have to go off of? Basically all we have is the nonverbals, Basically, from when they get on your property, when they get out of their car, they're moving up to the front area. They get to the that's the amount of time. What is that? 40 seconds, 30 seconds. Maybe and all you got is nonverbals now. A mask mm-hmm. is not even an indicator. So all you got is nonverbal. Well, so you better be and, trained to make those quicker decisions. Yeah. And at that point with the mask on it, even you it makes that much more difficult to read facial expressions, mm-hmm. um, which sometimes you know at least in my experiences you could use to kind of judge how a person was feeling um mm-hmm. before an interaction and things uh so i i think it makes it incredibly difficult um mm-hmm. and i've actually not looked up any statistics on it but i do wonder you know with all the masks have we seen more robberies well I'll, uh, i don't know about that statistic but i can give you a resource and uh, all your listeners uh, resource awesome <clears throat> I'm not paid by him, but I've had a chance to work with him a few times. But if you look up Dr. David Matsumoto, Dr. David Matsumoto, he does, he gets real, where I do kind of all the nonverbals, he gets Mm -hmm. real specific with facial expressions. And he taught me a cool trick. This is before even COVID. So yes, there's all these emotions we can figure out from just the face and there's good science behind it. So it's like fear and disgust and contempt and anger, you know? Yeah. But one of the, you can't see most of that with the mask on, but there's a couple ones like fear and anger. I think the eyebrows will raise so you can get surprised, Uh you can get anger, kind of one of those numbers, but it's kind of cool. You know, it's not going to be accurate, but if I can pick out an anger cue and all I got is their eyebrows and eyes, even with a mask on, you can see that you got to get some of David's training though. It's, it's not easy. It's uh, pretty intense. Yeah, and I've um, and again, I hate to go back to like Hollywood for this, but I don't know if you ever seen the show uh, Lie to Me. Yes. Um, where it was about the the gentleman that did all the and uh, I watched like two episodes. I was absolutely hooked. Oh, yeah. Um, but very well know, produced. Yeah, and and the science behind it after just a couple of Googles, you know, it's like, well, this isn't this this is real. They weren't making this up, and it, it goes deep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I imagine a ton of training with that. But if 
you know, to your point, there are resources available for that. Um, and it, it just, I mean, that right there, uh, Matsumoto, that's a, a name. So Matsumoto with Doc, Dr. Yeah, David Matsumoto. That's a starting point. Sorry, you still got me, Austin? Yep. Yep, I got you. Okay, there you go. Sorry to cut you. I was going to say David Matsumoto was partnered up with the guy who did all this research was Dr. Um, Paul Ekman. Yeah, Dr. Mm-hmm. Paul Ekman. He wrote all these books. Dr. Uh, Matsumoto worked with him on a, a lot of that project. Um, that movie you talked about, the show, is based off Dr. Paul Ekman. They made it about him, yeah. the main character in there, but they Hollywooded it up. Like yeah, he, you know, that guy, Paul Ekman, can really do a lot of stuff. The the movie, like he'd walk in, we're like, oh, we think he's a serial, you know, uh, rapist, and like he'd walk in the interview room, and then the guy'd like itch his face, and he's like, liar. And like handcuff him and high five. And I'm like, it's a little bit more complicated. Than that. Yeah, you know? no, it, definitely. And I think, and you know, uh, Hollywood does have a knack for that. Right. But, um, you know, I mean, it, it, it does exist. Right. And um, like I said, the resources are out there and that's a good starting point for anybody to, to, like you said, pull on that thread. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you do work in a, uh, let's say something, that's a, a high risk environment, something maybe you're, you work as a, uh, teller, maybe you work at a cash, uh, check cashing, I'm sorry, uh, check cashing or, establishment, Austin, um, really, party store, yes, any of it. Those are the high threat areas, absolutely. But when you think about it, this is frontline staff. Anybody, any organization where you have your people directly interfacing with the public, that's where you need this stuff. So yeah. obviously, yes, a bank, a cashier's place, whatever. But what about a Starbucks you know, and the homeless population? Those two things are like, you know, they're always on top of yeah, each good other. Point. What yeah. about a police department? You know, police departments, a lot of the times you'll have police officers working in there and the frontline staff, they'll even have uniforms on sometimes, but they're not cops. They're not sworn peace officers. Those people get attacked just like cops because you can't tell unless you see that they don't have a gun on. Sometimes right. those get targeted too. So anywhere where you're interfacing with the public, it's a good bet you so, want to know what's going on. And that's the you brought the uh, you know police departments and things and and not to get down the, the political road too much, but with everything going on and the push for more um, non-lethal training and things like that, resources for our, our police officers. Um, do you see that a lot of police departments are moving towards utilizing training similar training like yours um, to to assist with these kinds of things and this kind of threat detection? Um, is this something that you find that's lacking in a lot of uh, the law enforcement space? I will say this being a, uh, you're right, it is politically charged. I'll say this with law enforcement and I'll say this because they've told me again, Mm -hmm. not having been a a cop, but cops do this stuff. Great. Cops do this stuff better than I'll ever in my life ever be able to profile human behavior because they have years of it. They're the best. That's all their job all day, every day. They're OJT. Okay. But that also depends on where you're located. Are you located in a high crime urban area? Are you located in like Oshkosh, Wisconsin? What was your OJT? Who trained you? You know, I can tell you there's very little formal education within the academies at the recruit level because I've worked with a couple academies and I've talked to some of their managers and you're like, yeah, everyone needs this. Our cops should get this. Well, in the academy, it's like Rob Peter to pay Paul. It's like, okay, you need five hours to train them. Where do we take that five hours? Does it come from handcuffing? Does it come from de-escalation? Does it? You see what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, ugh. So there, it's 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 there. Cops are great at it, but it's all unstructured. I can go from one department to the next, and they'd be like, yeah, we done this training, and the next one doesn't have it. So that's what I see. What if I was king for a day? If we could standardize this verbiage, if we could go across departments and standardize this verbiage, and I think you'd see situations where law enforcement could articulate uh, the threats better, um, things of that nature. So I work in the in the human factors, and, and that's how I attack problems. So that's what I'll say on that. Sure. No, I, I get it. Makes total sense. And um, to your point, robbing Peter to, to pay Paul, it, it that's the difficult part of it. You know, is finding there's only so much time in a day and so much time in their training and things. And I. Um, just and when curious. it comes to non-lethal, Austin, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but again, depending on with all the riots and the craziness lately, depending on where yeah. you are, or what department. So there's even, and you can Google any of these stories where they're actually lobbying now 
to get rid of tasers. There was a, there was an incident six months ago where an officer killed someone with a taser. It was a really sad story. She meant to grab her taser and, a, and a, even on video, she's mm-hmm. grabbing her taser going taser, 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 boom, and fires a shot. You know, that, that is a problem in law enforcement misidentifying. That's why they're yellow. That's where all they're at. But there's actually places where that stuff has happened where they're trying to ban the tasers. It's like, yeah. well, okay, now you're taking away an option there. Now we're, we want right. to be humane and get rid of tasers. What, are the, what does a cop have now? Now it's either a mace or the gun. Okay. Right. So now it's either the extreme. So uh, taking away non-lethal, I don't know about that. You're, you're seeing really cool stuff with a bolo. I don't know if you've seen those lately. Have you seen the bolo unit? I have um, not. I know what a bolo is. I did not uh, know so that that's starting to come around in popularity. They got a bolo in a box now. It kind of looks like a taser. I don't know who designed it, but they designed it. It's flat. It's, it's, it doesn't even resemble a gun at all. And you point and you have to press two buttons and it fires a high speed bolo at people like and, and it's meant to subdue like arms. If you got a knife or a gun, it'll it'll sure. wrap your arms around you for five seconds. So really cool. It's it's new, but very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And I just, you know, with, with again, with the push for because um, I had this conversation oddly earlier today uh, with a couple of friends and my brother about uh you know, police defunding or, or things like that. And I just curious because, uh, and I 110%, I support, you know, uh, back the blue and everything. I, I have friends who are uh, police officers and state troopers and, and, and things here in Michigan. And I just, I think that with the amount of criticism, um, a lot of people just don't realize, you know, Hey, this stuff all costs money and it costs time and there's only so much resources. And to say, you know, to your point, uh, why don't we, have more non-lethal options. Well, that takes training, which costs money because you got to pay people while they're at training, and you know we go down that whole road. But um, but we're gonna defund you, but, but you right. need to train better and do better. But we're gonna take with a higher standard, with a right. higher standard. But we're taking money away. Makes right. sense. And it's Politically, yeah, it, yeah. It, it makes all the sense. Don't think sense. about it. Right. I see nothing wrong um, with that problem, Austin. <laughs> exactly and that's the argument i have every time it comes up and i just you know think about it i mean if you're at work you expect to be paid whether it's training or or doing the job itself what um, i see austin is a lot of the you know you get in social media and everyone's you know barking at, uh, up their tree everyone's screaming their heads off you can't inject any topic whether it be police or policy or presidency or administration without someone injecting their, their, their vibe to it. But what, what you do find is when you sit down with most of these people and you take them through real scenarios or you, you talk them through what we just talked through, sure. you know, what in, in, in the highly charged program, anything we just said right now, who would have that much of a problem with it? You know, it's like, Oh, being safe by being aware. But when you attach the, the political side, no one wants to do anything good. So I just focus on the behavior. <laughs> Yeah. And I think um, that more people, um, and when I say more people, I, I think more, um, I guess, companies or, or parts of society, I think really should look into, um, to this point, behavior training and and just awareness training and things like this. And I, and I really do think that any of this kind of training gets, a, uh, you know, getting back to what we were talking about earlier slightly with uh, the paranoid and everything, um, it, it's avoided, right? Because any kind of uh, acknowledgement of uh, of a threat, the existence of a threat is is obviously frightening. Um, but I mean, how often, you know, talking about countries that don't have access to firearms earlier, most business places uh, today, you don't have access to a firearm. It's a gun-free zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so are, let me ask you this. Are you seeing, uh, do you, I guess, do you work with a lot of companies that just want to make sure their employees are well-prepared or where do you see the a lot of this, uh, a, a lot of training going? Um, especially because things have changed so dramatically in the past year and a half. I, there's a, excuse me, I see a lot of risk managers and, and, and security managers that are scared to death right now because there's not only with COVID, we're dealing with a new paradigm. It's just completely kind of, you know, untested waters where you have people slowly come back, coming back into the workforce you're seeing mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs, Lehman, or, or some of the banks going, you mandatory, remote work is done, you have to come back. 
The risk yep. managers not only get all the old problems of that back, but now we got new problems of legality, of COVID, of sickness and all this stuff. On top of, we still have to deal with all the old violence and domestic violence issues. Exactly. This, that, you know what I mean? So I, I get the vibe that I don't get the vibe. They tell me there's a lot of people worried about it. All right. You can hire more security. You can get people in there with guns and whatnot, but you're going to you're going to fight an uphill battle on all those. You know, so my thing is, is if an organization can come in and with the people you have, with the people you have, if you're a church, if you're a, a business, if you're just a home with your family, if I can go in there with this training that the safe instructors provide and increase your awareness, let's say, you know, Austin and you got five other people in your family. Let's say I increase Austin because you love me and you listen to all my stuff. I increase your awareness 15 percent sure. and your wife. I maybe I only get 10 percent from her and your kids are 4 percent because they listen to you rant about me all day long. So they're just picking it up by osmosis. OK, so you add all that cumulative effect up. We've raised the awareness level at an organizational level. Your home, your family has a higher level of awareness. OK, yeah. Um, when I got this training, when when all the MDs and PhDs put all this research together, they came out with a great statistic and they said, hey, if you go through this training, you'll you'll come out the other end 200% more aware than your surroundings. 200%. Wow. You know, I, I barely I got out of high school, man. I'm not a smart man. I thought it stopped at 100, but apparently it just keeps on going. You know, <laughs> it just keeps but, compounding. Yeah. What if I could only make you 10% more aware than you were yesterday? Would you take Absolutely. What about five percent? What if yeah, I, what if yeah. I could all I could do and come in in your organization, your family, your church, and just increase the awareness of everybody there by one percent? I bet everybody there would take that one percent. Worth it. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Put so, put, and, put another way, a time component. Can I give you? Can I gift you thirty seconds before that violent event? Can I give you five seconds to come up with a plan before the gun comes out of the waste on? You see what I mean? And that's that's context is king. And I find myself saying that a lot. Um, and again, it's probably because everything these days is so politically charged. Right. And everything context is the difference maker in so many situations. But when you when you, you know, shape something to that effect. Right. Um, and that and it couldn't it, it wouldn't even necessarily have to be something like a shooting. Right. If you went to anybody who's been in a car accident and said, hey, if I could give you 30 seconds prior to that back and you could do it different, would it be worth it? Yeah. And it's like, well, hell yeah, man. I could, I absolutely would do that. And, yep. um, and that's why I think it's so great that you guys offer this kind of training and that there's been the the research gone that's gone into this and the science behind it, you know, because it's so beneficial. And, and again, not just in the tactical space. This can be applied in a myriad of, of ways and, and, and different parts of life, you know. Can I share? Can I share a story with you, Austin? No, absolutely. This is pretty impactful for me. It was kind of wild. I'll try to make it quick. I know I rant, but when I was in the Marine Corps, basically we were rocking and rolling, teaching combat hunter, and I had a unit come to me, and they said, and in the military, big problem: uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment, and suicidal ideation. You know, big problems, and we're trying to combat them. The military's way of combating them not not exactly great. You know. So anyway, they call me in and they say, hey, we love you combat hunter guys. We're teaching people how to, you know, hide from snipers and whatever. And they're like, can you do your combat hunter thing? But can you do it for sexual assault, sexual um, harassment, suicidal ideation? They ask me this, you know, I'm like fresh off of combat tours. I'm like, what the hell? What am I? I'm not a, man, a family and marriage therapist. I don't know. What is, what is this? But I started breaking down the behavioral domains. And that's how we show my instructors. I break them onto domains. And I was like, oh, let me see here. And I start putting pen to paper and it's wild, Austin, for the, what we teach at the safe instructor. We're looking for kinetic threats, violent threats, shooting and whatnot. But all you got to do is take the concepts of science and you just shift the focus of the threat and it all applies. OK, baseline plus anomaly equals decision signs of discomfort. You know, um, a, a person carrying a gun and giving me the observable indicators of discomfort is the same indicators as someone who just got you know, sexually assaulted. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you can take this mindset and apply it to different things. One of my first instructors I ever this is this stuff I crack up at because I never intended any of this. My first instructors, I, I won't say his name, but he's a, a system administrator for Cisco and the East Coast. And he does pen test penetration testing. And he goes, bro, this stuff's gold. 
I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, this stuff is gold for IT because they have the IT technical side of threats they have to look for. Yep. But where do a lot of internal threats come from? Inside, employees, yeah. insiders, employees. insider threats. So there's if 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 I'm an employee and I'm the IT guy and you just gave me your fourth crappy review and I'm about to be fired and I'm gonna I'm gonna burn your whole system before I walk out the door. Do you think there's observable indicators attached to that act? Yeah. So yeah, no, absolutely. That blew my mind. I'm like, oh, my combat hunter in the IT world. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. That's wow. Yeah, I didn't. I wouldn't. I mean, it makes sense when you say it, but it, yeah. I would not have. Um, I would not have thought to uh, that it would be that applicable in that way. And what you just said, Austin. Everyone <laughs> who comes through my program, the safe instructor, they think I'm going to turn them into Jason Bourne and like Ninja. And I kind of do. I'm not going to lie. I kind of do that. But they don't they they don't they think it's some voodoo how we do it. But when you get in the program and I just start breaking behavior down, I go A plus B equals C. Usually when I tell you something, you're going to be like, oh, my God, my mind was blown. You're like, but wait, no, that totally makes sense. You're like, yeah, right. I know. But all I got to do is say it. it takes someone to take your head and go, look. And then once they show you, you can't unsee it. You're always trying to tell the story. You know, my wife, I'm out in town. I'm always trying to tell the story, profile people. My wife's with me a lot of years now, and she's still looking at me. And I'm like, babe, check this out. This is what's going on. And still, she still looks at me like dead in my eyes. She's like, shut your mouth. Just shut <laughs> So she's over it, but everybody else still gets kind of excited about it, you know? No, no, definitely. And, I, and, and they should, right? I mean, that's... Um, especially when you can when you can yield such a a positive result out of seemingly right so so little effort um, mm-hmm. with just the proper guidance. Yep. Um, you know, and one one thing I did want to ask you about um, because here in, in Detroit we are so close to right the Canadian border, and we talk about things like situational awareness um, and you know pre-event you know threat avoidance thing, things like that um, is human trafficking. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, avoiding bad situations like that. And I'm, and I have family down in Texas. My, uh, my in-laws are in Texas. My family's up here. We're like I said, about 20 minutes from Detroit. So what, maybe 30 minutes from the Canadian border. Um, and once you cross those borders, you know, then it, it's a whole other world of, uh, you know, problems and, and concerns and issues. And even with COVID locking down the borders, I'm, I'm positive that that hasn't really stopped the issue. Right. Um, so do you see uh, or, or does your training come in with with human trafficking? Do you see it um, being requested or applied with with these groups that work uh, border patrol, things like that, trying to um, solve these issues that that I, I believe and I think a lot of people believe are only getting worse right now? Yes. Um, yes, they are getting worse. Uh, you know, a million percent, you know, things were already bad pre-COVID, but because of COVID, guess what? You know, um, a lot of these, God bless these people out here with the nonprofits who are doing the extractions of human human trafficked people. All those operations basically got shut down. Everybody went internal, all the international operations, all of them got shut down. Really? So, Oh yeah. So it's, if it was bad before, it's even worse now. They're just coming out of it. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with some of these organizations. They're awesome people. There's tons of ways you can help out. And if you're in Michigan, if you're in America and you're thinking, well, I, you know, what do I do? I'm not, I'm not any of this stuff. How can I help out? You'd be very surprised what role you can play in helping people, right? What role you can play in helping people. Um, I wish I had a list of my, my organizations here because I'd start firing them out. But honestly, it, it's pervasive. I don't specifically address human trafficking in our program because we use the behavioral domains, uh, how we just said, Austin, it depends on like my, my instructor might be a human trafficking instructor. We have those. Okay. Uh, I have one right now who's an who So these are instructors of people who would go do that mission. So they get this chunk of the training, which they pass on to those people doing the mission. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, Another one of my instructors, they only, they, they have a realty background. So guess who they focus on? Realtors. That's all they do. Realtors get into all sorts of sketchy situations where they're home alone and whatnot. And everyone thinks it's just a woman. It's not just women. Men are getting these weird situations See, and I, too. I yeah. would never have thought about that. That makes a lot, again, makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. You, you're in a home with a stranger or someone you know for what you've met him three times for a cumulative 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's, if that, if yeah. that, you know. 
And then when I started going down that rabbit hole, there's horrible CCTV footage of, of realtors getting dragged away right in the middle of the day, right in the opening house. So you use the safe instructor program like um, like a gun. So whatever your issue is in your community. So, Austin, you hypothetically, if you know, you're passionate about getting rid of human trafficking, you take the safe instructor and you would apply the domains to human trafficking or IT or realty. Yeah. So. So and and. I guess what I guess what so what got you to jump back kind of to the beginning? How did you get to this point with emergence? Um, was this I mean, it's what you did in the military um, as a Marine, obviously. Um, how did, can you kind of just walk through real quick uh, how we got to where you where you're at today? Because this is amazing stuff. Yeah, no, it's uh, thank you. And and again, I didn't invent any of this stuff, Austin. You got to understand that. Yeah, I'm no, just I, I'm just a mouthpiece here. This stuff has been studied on the shoulder of giants. Um, but this is the first time anybody's packaged this in, the, in this manner. So what happened? I tried to leave the combat hunter program. Okay. I was a Marine at the program <laughs> for a lot of years and I tried, I attempted to leave. I actually went so far as to get completely out of the United States Marine Corps. And they did my hail and bail on a Friday. We drank beer. They gave me a plaque. And I left on uh, on that Friday and uh, the, the civilian contractor said, hey, want a job? And I said, yes. And I came back Monday with a polo shirt. I grew up big like Bin Laden beard. Over there, you know? <laughs> and I was a sure. shirt copter. And I spent another six years there, you know. So finally, at that point, uh, deployment started dying down. And I really saw a need for this stuff in our communities. But what really hit me was one of my very good friends, um, Long story short, one of my very good friends told me a story. I had taught him this information when I got it and he loved it. He ate it up. He got it directly from me. And he in turn taught his daughter this information. I've never met her at this point. She'd never seen me. So this is secondhand information from dad, right? Mm -hmm. He calls me one day and he goes, and this is the day after it happened. He goes, hey, Yusuf, my daughter was in the Las Vegas shooting last night. She's still oh there God. right now. And like, I'm like, oh my God, my you know, goosebumps. And and he's kind of choking up telling me, I'm like, oh, I don't even know if she's alive. And he's like, shit, look, she's fine. You know, physically she's fine uh, right now. She's on her way home. Anyway, he tells me they're in the middle of the crowd. She's there. She's 18, 19 years old. She's never been in the military. I don't, I don't even know if she's ever shot a gun before. She's there with her boyfriend and a bunch of friends. The first volley of shots ring out. Okay. And because of the acoustics and whatnot, there was a lot of people say you couldn't really tell that there were gunshots immediately. I was just going to say that was the, from everything I read and heard was that was the problem when it started. I knew, I knew Marines guys I'd served with who were there at the time who had been through Fallujah, who told me one, they told me I, 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 my very good friend of mine, he's actually an LAPD cop. He was right there. And all he had was a knife on the ground. He said it was worse than anything he's seen in Fallujah ever. He said it was like when the, the Higgins boats dropped in, in Saving Private Ryan. He mm -hmm. goes, that's what it looked like, just spray and brain matter, you know. So, one, he'd, he'd been through combat tours and never seen violence like that. And, two, immediately, he goes, not till the second or third did I kindly realize that I go, oh, my, I think that's gunfire. So he's a trained individual. She's completely untrained, but she has a bad gut feeling. We talk about the denial portion. We deep dive yeah. it. She basically gets triggered. She grabs her boyfriend and she goes, you know what? I don't know what's going on, but I have enough information that I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. So I'm out of here. She starts dragging her boyfriend and her boyfriend's like, why are you freaking out? She's like, I don't know. Something's, something's going on. And her friends are trying to calm her down. They're trying to pull her back on. It's just fireworks. It's just fireworks. Calm down. And she's like fireworks in the middle of the concert, like where you can't even hear the music. She's like, yeah. why would they do that? So she's like, whatever. And she starts dragging her boyfriend and she basically gets to the edge of the fence line. That's when the second and third volley of shots ring out and people start dying. And that's when everyone realized, oh, my God, you know, it's a shooter. Um, you know, I was getting choked up on the phone. At this point, I'd known his daughter, you know, and I'm going, oh, my God, you know, that that hit home um, real. You know, when you're in the Marine Corps, you know, I lost my friends. You lost you lose people you serve with. But yeah. You all kind of sign up, you know, you, you, it's not like anybody. It's a little different. Yeah. yeah. Sold you on a bill of goods, but where you have someone, a, a woman that young, it's like, whoa, there's power here. And this needs to go much farther and wider than I have the ability to do it. So that's why I started the safe instructor program to basically inject me is all over the world. We got about over a thousand of us all over the world right now, but wow. little by little. Yeah, we're getting there.
So making a strong effort of it for sure. Damn, damn, damn strong. This it's man. It's it's once you get a hold of this information and uh, Austin, I got about five more minutes. Um, yeah. Once you get a hold of this information, Austin, I'm not a religious person, uh, really. Uh, I'm not Jewish faith, but the Jewish faith has a thing in it. It's called the mitzvah, you know, and a mitzvah basically is it's like a it's something so important. It's so important and so vital to humanity that it's like a commandment from God. It's so important that like God comes down and is like, you got, I don't care what your position is. You have to do this. Yeah. So I love that word. I'm not trying to mix the face here. I'm just saying I love no. that description yeah. because that's how I feel about this stuff, Austin. That's why we have over a thousand people doing this because people get, get and they see the light bulb goes on and they go, oh my God, this is what I've been trying to tell people, especially people who've been there especially people who've seen the elephant that come home and they try to articulate this stuff to our families, our lives. And they're like, Oh yeah, sure. Sounds good. It's not as important to them. So with my safe instructor, you learn to make it very important to the people around you. So that's how I see it. This is so important. You can't just let it sit there. You got to push yeah. this stuff. You know? And I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's a, it's a huge resource. And what you guys do is, is incredibly important and, and impactful. Um, and, and like I was saying, even outside the tactical space, you know, this is the kind of thing I, I'm recommending for my mother who hates, yep. hates guns, um, yep. isn't in any shape to do any combatives. Tra- you mean, this is the entire, uh, you know, someone who's on the opposite end of the spectrum from mm-hmm. a lot of people that probably normally listen to this podcast. Um, but just and to wrap watch up, her go through the training and come out and the next day she, you're like, Hey Austin, how was the training? She'd be like, I need a gun. You need to take you to the gun store right now. <laughs> no, there, large no, there guns and many of is them. <laughs> a real frightening thought. <laughs> um, but just to, to wrap up, um, one, you know, thank you uh, again for making the time to come on, but yeah. can you just share with our listeners uh, where they can find you on social media and how they can uh, best access your training? I know you have a website um, and a couple other things going on. I'm going to send you a link right now, uh, David. Um, I'm like, a, like you said, I'm all over the place, but there's one link. If you could put this in this video, this is the best starting place. So I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, all over the place. But this is where you go to get what, what give you a six step guide on how to get started, what to look at, what are we talking about? So uh, if I could send you that link, that is the best yeah. place to get a hold of me. Okay. And that's through the, uh, is that your website? It's the, uh, emergence disrupt.com. Yeah. Emergence disrupt.com. And I'll have a specific link to that. Yep. I'm on Instagram as Yusuf Badu underscore emergence on the Facebook group. I'll let you know this right now, Austin. So I also started about two, three months ago. I call it the left the bang show. So, uh, we have a left the bang show. It happens every other week in our private group. That private group is called the threat detection group on Facebook. doesn't cost anything. You can join it, but I'm in there every other week dropping bombs like this. And it's funny that you brought up human trafficking or two weeks ago was human trafficking. That's what we talked about. This week we piggybacked on it. And I just did a whole episode on how to train hotel staff to look for human trafficking. Like who do you train the valet, the, the concierge, the bartender, what are you looking for? You know, so the left of bang that's right in that threat detection group. You'll be able to access all those too. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you again for taking the time. I, I appreciate it. And I, I, I've learned a ton just in our uh, about hour here that we've been talking. Um, and I, I'm, I have no doubt that our listeners have also uh, learned a ton. And um, thank you just you know for the work you guys do and continue to do. Um, and it's been a, a genuine pleasure, sir. Oh, no, thank you for your kind words, Austin. Thanks for having me around. But the last thing I'll tell you is what I tell my instructors. Everyone says, oh, thank you for teaching me this. And I'm like, Cool story, bro. Once you have this information, if you really want to thank me, you owe me 10 scalps. Okay. You owe me from today, from hearing this podcast, you owe me 10 scalps of people trained. I don't care. You don't have to do a class, grab your grandma, grab your cousin, grab a friend, and just give them five minutes on left to bang on a little bit of behaviors. The, the, tri- t- the tricks we just talked about just in this episode, you owe me 10 of those. So that's how every one of your listeners can thank me, Austin. Fair enough, sir. Fair enough. Goodbye. Alrighty, take care. Thank you so much. I certainly hope you all enjoyed my discussion with Yusuf. I know I learned a ton. And guys, I cannot recommend enough his training, his safe course that he offers through his website, emergencedisrupt.com. Head over to the website and check out what, what him and his people are doing. I mean, 
honestly, it's invaluable, guys. With everything going on in the world today, with all the terrible, terrible things that you hear about on the news and, and you know, to, to our discussion point of, you know, if you could just give yourself, you could give a loved one, you could give a friend, right, 30 seconds prior to whatever tragedy, wouldn't that be worth it? So head over, check out their Instagram, check out their webpage, sign up for his class, join his Facebook groups. What he has to teach is worth the time. It's worth taking the time to, to learn and to teach your families to make sure that you're all more prepared and, and in a good place to handle whatever you might come across. Guys, that's all I got for you this week. I sincerely hope that you enjoyed this episode. As always, we'll have more for you next week. Until next time, though, get out there. Stay aware, and as always, be prepared.